Okay, well, welcome to episode 15 of this season's Fezcast. Uh, me, Matt, in the hot seat. Joe Peak is with me. Also got Georgia Evans with us this week. So we're going to jump straight in, um, and we have been discussing off-air. It's brilliant that we uh, only do this as an audio-only podcast, because I've just been to the gym and got back and haven't had a shower. Joe's got a big spot. George has got her hair up and he's wearing an all black shirt. So it's, uh, yeah, we're, we're doing well here. We're doing well. There is a visual picture there for people listening. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, let's focus on our main guest. So, Georgia, um, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. No problem at all. No problem at all. So, you came to Saracens via Ponticlum Falcons, is that right? Yeah. Um, God, it feels like a lifetime ago now. But yeah, I was originally in Ponticlum in South Wales. And hit up Alex over the COVID period and he said yeah come down see what it's see what it's all about see what you're all about and I haven't left since. <laughs> That's fair I'm going to hit you with the, the most important question we've got first what is your best position because you've played four five six seven eight and we reckon you're going to have a go in the front row at some point. <laughs> I mean I am avoiding the front row at all costs um I um, in my heart of hearts, I'm a, I'm in six. Um, that's probably where I've shown my best performances um, previously and historically. So six or eight is is my preferred. Um, but with the calibre of players that we've got at Saracens and in Wales as well, um, sometimes I'm just lucky to get on the field. So if I've got to put my head where I don't want to, then <laughs> the needs must. And as long as I'm on the field, I'm not too bothered. But... Yeah, I'm going to avoid that front row at all costs at this moment in time. <laughs> That's fair enough, and hopefully Alex is listening this week, so uh, make some note of that. <laughs> we probably probably just need to cut a bit of a, a shout out for your Wales captain that's re- re- uh, retired from international duty um, this week, Sue Ann, brilliant um, advocate of the game, and you know our. Uh, I've met her a few times, obviously, at the Welsh Games, and you know her probably uh, pretty well. So, um, obviously, everyone at the Fezcast wishes her well in her retirement and looks forward to seeing her when she's playing with the club as well. So, big shout-out to Sue Ann there, I think. Yeah, 100% needed. She is she is a, a class act of the game, and um, I appreciate you know, she's been at the forefront of changing the game in Wales, and we all thank her so much for her, her time, her work, her dedication. Over the years, she's been my captain since I since I started out in Wales. Um, so she'll be sorely missed, but I know whatever she go on to next will be will be amazing. So we'll see her maybe next week. Maybe yes, possibly. <laughs> yeah, while we're there, actually, let's uh, let's focus on uh, on international rugby. Um, obviously, <laughs> rugby in, in Wales certainly for women has, has developed a lot over the last uh, last year or so, and with with the uh, the contracts that are coming in as well, it's fantastic to see, much needed. Um, but uh, the World Cup itself, obviously, you handed a pretty pretty tough group with um, with New Zealand, the eventual champions, and playing uh, Australia and Scotland as well. Just just in general, George. I mean, before we focus on the matches themselves, how how much did you enjoy the experience of just going out there for the World Cup? Ah, oh, it was. To say it was a surreal and unbelievable experience, just to be putting it lightly, um, the whole the whole thing, the whole year, I was worried um, that I would never get there. So to even be on the plane to go over there was something really special for me and, and for everybody who's been a part of my journey. So, um, 
yeah, the whole place, the people, the the surroundings, the just everything about the place I absolutely adored. Um, they welcomed us with open arms. You know, the Kiwis love the Welsh. Um, we had a few good nights with them, and it was a, an experience that I will never ever forget, um, and I will cherish very very fondly. And I feel very lucky and blessed to have been a part of it. Absolutely fair play, but yeah, the uh, the group stage itself, obviously. You know, I, I don't know what the target was for uh, for Welsh rugby particularly, but being drawn against New Zealand was obviously going to be very tough. And then in two games, Australia and Scotland, you know, I think all of you can be pretty proud of uh, of the performances you put in. But just from your perspective, Georgia, you, you know, there were things to work on for, for next time round? Yeah, 100%. And I think um, at the beginning of this year, obviously, we didn't know what way, what, what life would look like with contracts. It was all very much new to us. Um, we were everyone was playing around now the WIU the girls were all getting used to like this new way of life it's, it's abnormal to us so um trying to figure out what like for us so going out there we set ourselves a target you know we want to get out of the group stages and we're that and we're really proud of ourselves for doing that um there are definitely things we could work on you know we we won the Scotland game but probably probably lucky to um have got that penalty at the end so very much so we, we could have put that to bed earlier stuff like the Australia game um definitely weren't happy with with how we left that game and, and where we came so I think there's small details now but I think we've got we've got time the privileges we've got time now to to right those wrongs um over the next it's a short turnaround so over the next three years we've now had this almost trial period of professionalism um, we now know what is required of us as athletes. They know what works for us um, as players and as as people as well. So I think now we've got like a big, we've got a short turnaround in the three years, but there's definitely things that we want to target. Um, you know, being top three in the Six Nations, we want to prove to people that we're a team to compete, not a team to just go and play. So um, yeah, there's the small things. I think you can't take away from the effort and the, the heart of the girls and the performances we put out there, like you said, we had New Zealand, which was which was a tough feat in itself. An amazing experience and something that we'll take a lot of learnings from. But it's just, um, it's those small margins now that need to be rectified so that we can actually go out and compete with those top teams. Yeah, I think you, you covered it off absolutely brilliantly there. I mean, I spent most of, well, every single weekend up at Silly O'Clock in this, on this side of the world, games, um, paid for it during the week. But... Um, <laughs> Some of the performances, you, you could see how much you've transformed, certainly in the last 18 months, two years, um, for, for the Welsh side. And yeah, you, Georgia will know, I went down to Cardiff for the few of the Six Nations last year as well. Um, and, and the change and the professionalism around that team is clearly evident in your performances. And, and it's just now probably the results and the outcomes that you just need to, to see, um, you know, the, the payoff of all the hard work and stuff that you're doing now and the investment in the game, which is... It's brilliant for the Welsh Rugby Union to finally start recognising that and um, hopefully the, the Six Nations this year will be equally as competitive and um, you have some good crowds down there at Cardiff Arms Park and I know that I've got tickets for the game so I should be down there yelling <laughs> loudly anyway. Um, yeah, we hope to see you on the pitch this time rather than commentating so uh, I think that probably leads us quite nicely into asking how the arm injury is now. Obviously, was it February? You had that. Was it February? I was down at the Bristol game when it happened, and um, I can certainly tell you from from our side that the stunned silence and and the noise you were making after that that awful that you suffered was just. I mean, it was it was something awful for us to see on the sideline as well. But um, 
Uh, how is the arm now? Yeah, it's good. Um, it's mad that actually that happened this year. I can't like it's what how many months ago, but it's crazy that it happened. It feels like a lifetime ago. But um, no, the arm is, is all fixed and uh, and ready to go. Um, obviously, my return was pretty much internet. It was the final and then into international, um, which is always. It was a, it was a pleasure to return then, and yeah, I can't thank the medical team at Saris enough. The girls, like the emotional support that they had to give me over that time, um, because essentially after all the dramatics um, died down, I was like, really, I've just broken my arm. Like people do this every day, um, but I did it in a bit of a dramatic fashion. So yeah, that's all put to bed, and uh, we're all good now. So me and my bionic forearm are. Um, are ready to go. Fantastic. Well, we we all the fans were definitely glad to see you back, and and as you say, brilliant result in the Premiership final. Um, I was obviously there for that one as well. Um, there's a few of the the Fez cast and the SSA there uh, screaming and shouting along, so that was a really lovely result, and uh, that probably brings us quite nicely on to looking at, at this season. And how how did you how you found this season start of this season so far, and and particularly the Queens game on on Saturday. Um, it was it was amazing to be back. So as soon as we landed off off the the plane from New Zealand, I, I said to my coach, I was like, I just really want to return. He was like, have a couple of weeks off. I was like, all right, I'll have a week. I was like, and then I'm going to go back to size. I miss it. I want to see them all. So I headed straight back up here. I had a week with my family, then headed straight back up here. And it was so good because um, it was like first year back to school. I've said it like on repeat, but like the whole new building's been up. We've got all new facilities. We've got a whole new medical team. We've got a whole new bunch of girls in. Like the whole thing was like brand new. So it was really nice to get back into the swing of things um, and to see everybody. To see, you know, we started the first two games off. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, I don't think with the performances that we would have liked um, and that we would have wanted particularly. But then there's a lot of um, bedding, in, bedding in at the moment with the with the new girls, you know, with a whole new squad, essentially. Like, a lot of these a lot of these girls haven't played Saris before, a lot of them first in the Premiership, a lot of younger girls. So it's all about, like, building those relationships and trying to to get them, you know, used to what this league is like, essentially, because they, these are the girls that we need to depend on when the internationals are here. So I think the first two games were really... We got the bonus point win, and that is the main thing at the end of the day. Um, I don't think it was the polished performance that we needed, which probably didn't help us then going into Harlequins this weekend. Um, rightly so, they came away winners. I think I said on the bench to Alex Ellis that it's really interesting this year because almost the pressure is not off. We want to win every game. We go to win every single game. But this league is now so open that it's not just Saracens winning every day. So the pressure is kind of off us because we're not always going to win. We know that. It's who's going to turn up on the day. Um, but it's like, you know, Quinn, Quinn's were better on the day. We, we didn't capitalise on some of our moments. We were in there 22 a number of times and didn't come away with it. They were more significant with it. They were more, um, they were better with the ball um, and their ball usage in the second half. And they, you know, they took their moments and they ran with it. So I think we'd be disappointed to not pick up, you know, a losing bonus point. But again, it comes down to execution comes down to discipline, which is definitely going to bite us in the bum if we don't sort it out. Um, and then, you know, going forward, it's it's about these these partnerships and these girls working together. Because like I said, the England girls are now coming back in drip feeding. Um, but who knows if we'll have a full squad of internationals at all this season because of the way that it looks. There's a lot of games going. So 
we've got to be able to depend on these girls to do a job for us. So, you know, lots of learnings, lots of positives to take away from it. We're not going to dwell on it too much. We've got a big game this weekend, but um, I think we can be disappointed for now until we train tomorrow. That seems fair enough to me. And, you know, Joe and I were <laughs> talking uh, before we started that I think both of us took a bit of offence to, to a couple of unnecessary social media comments, actually, about the performance against Queens. But I think you've kind of nailed it, really, that you've had a lot of players rotated out. They're out away, 19 internationals away, a few players injured. There's there's almost three squads worth of, uh, of girls that are featuring over the course of this year, probably. So... To actually, you know, win a, win the cup games that you have, win a few games at the start of the season, and then play against the Quinns team, who are probably going to be up there by the end of the season as they normally normally are. Plus the fact that you know, we, we've talked a bit last season on this show as well how it is much better for Premier Fifteens for it to slightly squeeze together and there to be four, five, six teams potentially that could win the title rather than Saracens walking away with it every year as much as we like that. But you know, I I, I think. You'd, you probably got it there. There's plenty, plenty to work on, but equally, you know, it's it's good for the league. Well, the closer the games we get, the the more entertaining it is. The more people are gonna are gonna, you know, go online, watch it on BBC. The fact that BBC is showing the competitive games is just a testament to to where this league is going. So it's it is only positive. Obviously, we want to be at the top and we want to be winning. But like you said, it makes the whole thing more entertaining and for people to tune in and watch. You know, we've now got that platform to do so. But take advantage of it. It certainly makes a difference as well that we had a slightly better end to uh, two weeks ago playing against uh, playing against Wasps after the men losing to Tel Aviv. So hopefully there's a few new fans going there as well. But... Yeah, I know. Oh, bless them. <laughs> they try. It's both, you know, both teams being rotated is fair enough, but uh, yeah. Yeah, there we go. And you've, you've obviously got um, a really competitive couple of games coming up. You've got Gloucester at home, um, this forthcoming weekend, and uh, who are currently top of the table, and uh, Sale Sharks who have played brilliantly, and they're three from three as well this this season, and sitting in second place. So, um, home and away for the next couple of weeks. Um, what's your kind of take on um, uh, on those games coming up? Um, I think Gloucester's going to be the interesting one. You know, they've done a lot of signings over summer you've seen them bolstering their squad um every single week there was a new signing so um it makes it exciting you know a lot of girls have gone there and they absolutely love it they call it the circus they absolutely they adore it down there so they say that it's you know very family-like and you know we can relate to that so I think them coming to us is always going to be telling they're coming to our home ground and I think that we like to to build Saris up to be a bit of a fortress down at Stone X. We don't want to be, we don't want to be losing down there. So it's a challenge for them. But um, I know that they're going to be coming all guns blazing. Obviously, I've got a lot of the Welsh contingent is down there. Um, I know they've been building pretty nicely there. Three from three, they've got three bonus points already, which is great because you know previously they've they've struggled in. Um, last last season and the season before that so I think it's really positive that we've got a new kind of up and coming I want to say Exeter you know Exeter came out the blocks last year and absolutely destroyed the league and they were in the final so who knows what Gloucester can bring and they're always there and thereabouts they're always you know pushing for top four so who knows this could be their year to to get into those semi-finals and I think that they're really going to test us um especially their pack their dominance so we've just got a you know, take the learnings from quit from the last three games. Actually, we've got to take our learnings out of discipline. We've just got to be make sure that we're we are um, 
consistently on the right side of the referee's whistle and taking our opportunities. And, and same with Sale. I think going up to Sale, theirs was a little bit of a fortress up in that that muddy pitch we love to play so much on. Um, and they're, they're just... They always challenge us in the in the positive ways. They always make for an entertaining game. I do really enjoy playing Sale because you kind of never know what they're going to bring. They're very very rogue in, in their in their style of play. So it's going to be an enjoyable weeks. Um, it's going to be testing for us, but I know that we want to finish this Christmas now. It's a long old season, but the more points that we can bag this side, um, the the better it's going to be for us come the end of the season. So. Two big challenges ahead, but I think before Christmas, this is the time now, you know, I think we're still without a couple of internationals. It's really the time now to put the hammer down and show that actually we don't need to depend on on individuals as a squad collectively. Our strength and depth is growing and, and we can do the job, hopefully. Fingers crossed. Well, I think the uh, crowds will definitely be out in voice um, at the weekend uh, at home at, at Stonex and we'll try and be that 16th player on the pitch for you and give you loads of good cheering coming on with a bit of luck. And I know that the club are heavily promoting that and uh, it will be a, a really, as you say, competitive game. Hopefully the weather stays nicer, if a little bit chilly, um, but hopefully there's no snow and uh, uh, wind and iciness floating around, fingers crossed, because that's a bit chafy for you. <laughs> Well, I know the um, the Saturday we are doing um, our, our I can't remember what the the tagline is, but the World Cup stars coming back. So those who won't be playing on the Saturday, um, they will be um, all milling around. So yeah, say hello. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure it's a bit of a celebration for the returning World Cup stars. So um, if you haven't got your tickets already, get your tickets to the Stonex on Saturday. Okay. The double header, the men are playing on Sunday, but get your tickets for Saturday. Gloucester, going to be a really good game. There's my pitch. <laughs> Always a good plug. Always a good plug. I mean, I've already, I've already got, I've already got my season ticket, Joe. So don't worry about me. But I'm normally, especially when we're playing against Gloucester, I'm normally one that's hiding behind my seat because it's always a little bit edgy. Uh, I mean, the other, you know, I always save big questions first and last. We've talked about your position, Georgia, but final question from me: the pink bow. Yeah. How important yeah. is it to you making sure you have a pink bow for every single game? And and where where did it come from as a as a bit of a trademark? Um, so I wore my pink bow on my first cap. So I like I just found it in a shop really randomly, and I was like, oh, I love that. And I picked up, wore it for my first cap, um, or my second game, sorry. Um, and I played six, and I. I thought I did all right. And I was like, maybe this is my my lucky thing then. And then I kind of wore it in every game. I wish I could tell you some elaborate story, but it's really not like, <laughs> like um, but now it's kind of stuck with me and everybody knows me as the girl with the pink bow. Like nobody recognizes me without it. So like it's kind of one of them things now that I need to always stick in my hair. Um, plus it's always helpful. My dad doesn't have a clue where I am on the pitch. My gran and my nan have no idea where I am on the pitch. So with a big pink bow, they can't miss me. Um, so I do have a, a selection of them. I wear a different colour to training every day. Um, but I do have my my pink one that will stay with me for games, even though it never matches the kit that I'm wearing. So <laughs> That should be your new um, social media handle, the girl with the pink bow. Yeah. <laughs> Love that. I'm, I'm to be honest. I'm just. I'm not having that. No one can find you on the pitch without it. That's that's not right at all. I know where you are. <laughs> I'm a girl with a pad. 
I mean, you know, if I was on the rugby pitch in front of you, I'd be running sideways. I'm not, I'm not, that's not happening. So the, the pink bow or not, it doesn't matter. The pink bow is the scare factor, I think, because people think so, can yeah. come in then. It's just an advance notice for people. <laughs> yeah, and you've obviously got a pink wrap quite often on your arm as well now, as well, haven't you? Yeah, so I started wearing, uh, I started, I had a sort of the big arm guard with like pink over the top of it. And I loved that. But the arm guard's quite chunky. And as like the games have gone on, I've taken that off and I've gone to smaller and smaller. Um, so we've stuck with black so that I'm not so noticeable when I'm putting my hands in the rucks. Ah, <laughs> method in your madness. I like it. <laughs> so there's a little bit of a pink on the edge, but just to try and like take away from the fact I'm sticking my head in places I might not be allowed, trying to trying to be undercover. <laughs> For any referee listening, that, that never happens with Georgia. It's just in case never. you pushed into that area as opposed to doing anything deliberately. Exactly. Good yeah. goal. All those all those yellow cards, it's a total accident. <laughs> it was never me. <laughs> So I must admit, last season I did notice you quite often got the yellow card because of everyone else's infringements up four, five, six, and you were the you were the last one. <laughs> you Always. you were the one that got the warning. <laughs> I was. I always get a slap on the wrist. Alex me and Alex made a deal um that if I was well behaved in the next two games, that included the Quinns game, no penalties, I'd get my own bib and he'd wash it for me every week. <laughs> So we we won game and that's not bad. I didn't know penalties last week, so I'm hopeful. I'm hopeful for this bib. <laughs> we'll be keeping an eye. Yeah, when you come <laughs> flying in at the side of a rack over the top of it, <laughs> just put your pink bib on somebody, a pink bow on somebody else's head, just and go. It wasn't me. Look, somebody else. <sighs> it's, it's May that's getting in trouble now. So you know, maybe yeah, that's what until now she is making up for it with a number of tries though she seems to be the try making machine at the moment yeah she's on fire the girl doesn't know how to stop like I, i'll forgive her for the penalties she just stop so yeah she's brilliant <laughs> she's come away with yet another shiner though um after the oh. game at quinn's and she, she really must this is our recommendation from the first class to stop tackling with your face mate so you tackle with the arm. oh uh, she doesn't tackle anything else <laughs> Well, that's no. the problem. That's the problem. When you know, when you're four foot nine or whatever she is, and you're actually tackling people's knees standing straight, you know, you're always going to get a bit of a shine. So maybe she needs a nice Zorro face mask or something to. Yeah. Um... <laughs> yes. <laughs> you know, we've uh, we've really gone sideways in this conversation. Yeah. yeah. Poor May. Bless <laughs> <laughs> her. Look, Georgia, just in general, over the next next year or so, we've obviously got another World Cup coming up very, very quickly as well. What um, what are you hoping to get out of out of the next let's let's just go two, three years. Look really far ahead. No one ever likes to, to give targets on this show, so I'm gonna try and make you. Um well, obviously, um back to back prime winners wouldn't be wouldn't be too shabby. Um I'd like to go back to back to back. You know, we, we didn't manage to get that third title um the first year I was here. So to do that would be pretty pretty special. Um but in general just to like you know I, I've been really lucky enough to to be a professional now um over the last six months and hopefully continue to do so. Um just in, enjoy and embrace this. So just get better as as time goes on, make sure that you know 
all my basics are up to scratch and stuff. But like at the same time, just enjoying my rugby with Saracens after last season, you know, it wasn't exactly the season I wanted or planned. So doing that, getting back to Six Nations, goal for, for Wales, I would say, would be top three in the Six Nations. I don't see why we can't be up there. Um, and then just continue that rain release to just keep keep pushing for those top spots with Saris and with Wales. You know, we're in very different spots. We're winning every week with Saracens. And then I go back to Wales and there's probably a bigger mountain to climb when we're competing with the likes of, you know, France and England in Six Nations. But I think they pose challenges um, to myself and to the girls in different ways. And I think it's about trying to, to figure out like this crazy world that is now becoming women's sport and the professionalism of the era um trying to figure that out individually so when we get to world cup you know i'm in the best physical place hopefully i get there um seems as it's in england it'd be pretty special i know the crowds over here are absolutely crazy so i'd love to be a part of it um you know to be to be remembered um i'd love to be over here to be recognized not just for my pink bow for, but for how i play um and just you know finishing higher than we did um as a as a country finishing higher than we did in the world cup um and really putting our stamp down you know we've got no excuse we'll have had four years of professionalism by then um you don't see england shine away and being like oh we didn't win because we've only been professional for four years like they they take it on the chin and they go forward so i think that for us as a country is massive and to get the support behind us um, would be absolutely huge as well. Seems as only across the border, it would be lovely for for Welsh fans to be able to come over and to see us on the big stage. That's a detailed yeah. plan. <laughs> We've finally managed to get somebody to answer that comprehensively, Matt. So that's <laughs> you, you've done well there, Georgia. You've, you're top, top of the list for that um, so far in in three seasons and fifteen episodes this season. So um, we finally got a, a really comprehensive answer, and I, I agree with you around the Rugby World Cup. I mean, hopefully um, the the RFU will spread those games a- across England and gives the opportunities um, for the Scottish and the Irish contingents to come and support their teams as well, um, and obviously the Welsh across the borders. And I'm sure they'll be hosting them in various places. Um, across the country well, to just give everyone the opportunity to come out and, and watch those games and as you said you know some of the crowds have been absolutely um, immense in the over the last sort of 12, uh, 12 months you saw the Six Nations you know 10,000 plus attending games you know in the Six Nations and I know that they've already sold upwards of 25,000 tickets for the France-England Six Nations game at, at Twickenham so you know that's that's going to be close I wouldn't be surprised that ends up breaking the, the record that they set at Eden Park for the World Cup final. So it's on the up and, you know, we're really lucky in this country that we've got a really good supporter of, of not just women's rugby, but women's sport. I think it's definitely that up and coming. And I just hope that the powers that be allow people to still come and visit and, and watch those games by not elevating ticket prices for, for the sake of ticket prices. Because there is, you know, there is the the opportunity for lots of, young boys and girls to come and see their their heroines and, and watch them run around the pitch like like madness and it encourages the, the game of that grassroots. Um, but that goes if we're starting to charge £40, £50 pound a ticket for a you know school kids ticket and such like. So um, I'm hopeful that they won't do that. And that's my Bill Neagle at, at the RFU and some other bits and pieces. But hopefully they keep it nice and um, accessible for everybody. Yeah. Oh. Need to buy you your soapbox, don't we? Yeah, I'm off it. I'm off it. 
This is why we have Joe on the show. It's exactly what we need. <laughs> it's, it's a balanced viewpoint, Matthew. It is, but no, it's been over the over the last years. I mean, every time we have uh, have one of our uh, one of our players on the show, it's always good to, uh, to see just how quickly it's been developing, even in the time that we've been doing been doing the Fezcast. I mean, the amount of professional players that have suddenly popped up on the radar is the is the main thing. But yeah. We uh, we probably all better disappear. I think. I've, yeah, I've got a shower to have. George has got a trip to uh, a trip to make to uh, to Saracens as well. So, Joe, what are you up to? I've got a day off work today, so I'm going to go and walk my dog in a bit. Um, and he'll be up at Sale, I hope, to come and watch the game at Sale on the side of the pitch. And I'll get him oh, in his. He was there at, um, when, unfortunately, you got injured, Georgia, at the side of the pitch. And ended up having live commentary on the BBC on his coat um, from from Nick Rachel Burford, which I've still got on somewhere um, on the board. Yeah, I'm for a, for a visit to to Hayward Road in in a couple of weeks. Yeah, look forward to that. <laughs> and we'll see you on the pitch, fingers crossed, on Saturday. Hopefully. <laughs> Everything crossed. Yeah, we best move on before we say something we shouldn't. <laughs> Speaking of things we shouldn't say, we'll probably end up finding out what's happening with Eddie Jones very soon. We'll tack a little bit of extra onto the end of this podcast. But <laughs> for now, Georgia, really appreciate you joining us. It's been brilliant talking to you, and hopefully, the rest of the season goes bloody well. <laughs> hopefully, thank you so much. Appreciate it. Listening to the Fezcast, which is proudly sponsored by the Saracen Supporters Association, and I'm Alison Davis, one of the SSA committee. For a £10 annual subscription, the SSA provides our members with monthly newsletters, virtual and in-person player events, away match ticket allocations, and we organise pre-match gatherings at away matches. We sponsor men's and women's players, and we support the Saracens Foundation Track Club on behalf of our members. On top of all that. Every year we have a seasonal SSA badge, which is exclusive to members. Where else can you get that much value for a tenner? Join now at membermojo.co.uk forward slash SSA or come and see us on match day in the Oasis at the Stonex. This is the Fezcast. Yes, we were going to have a pretty short podcast this week, but uh, as we mentioned at the back end of the chat with Georgia, we may have uh, we were planning on coming back if there was any news from the RFU, which uh, obviously there has been. And uh, it was Jez's week off this week, which typically meant that the big news occurred and Eddie Jones has been sacked by the RFU. So I think it's only fair, given he's Eddie's biggest fan, we uh, we let Jez mourn the loss of uh, of Eddie Jones. How are you doing today, Jez? Well, I. I... I, I just posted on um, f- Facebook uh, something about Eddie's uh, win ratios, which we will talk about in a minute. Um, for my friend Paul Stagg, who was at the uh, the last game I went to, um, the, the the Northampton Saints game, he came for his first Saracens game. He posted, he, he thought of me when he heard the news and all he could hear was the great Bill McLaren saying, there'll be someone be raised in Banbury to neat. <laughs> and indeed, and indeed, yeah, I, I'm. I, I, I've said many times before, this isn't an Eddie Jones um, 
roast, but yeah, I'm afraid it is. You know, <laughs> he the most overrated coach in rugby union, and still to this day, people are. You know, Matt Gitto has tweeted today saying. It's madness, you know. He's a great coach. He's got it time and time and time again right. I'm sorry, two runners-up medals as head coach at World Cups is not getting it right time after time after time. You know, nine months out from a World Cup, we can't see improvement. We can't see the way that England are playing. It ha- they had to do something. The RFU had to do something. We'll talk about how badly they're going to screw up afterwards. But, yeah, I have no... No worries about saying tata, Eddie, and you know, I'll drive the van to his house and pack up his stuff and take him to the airport quite happily myself. I'll take a couple of days holiday to do it. That's fair. I think, well, the first thing I should say at the moment is um, apologies to any Scotsmen that are offended by uh, Jez's Bill McLaren accent there. <laughs> but uh, no, look, what we should say as well is is obviously it's going to be a fast moving story. And probably by the time we finish recording, something else is going to have happened. But at this point, we know Eddie's gone. We know Richard Cockerell was in interim charge. But beyond that, we know absolutely nothing. So um, that's that to say. I mean, we, we've spoken a little bit off air, Jez, and I'm going to put the, uh, the devil's advocate view in. Obviously, I agree agree with you as well that Eddie needed to go as as soon as possible but there is the the worry you know how much is the RFU having to spend a getting rid of Eddie Jones and b bringing in whoever their preferred candidate may be you know it's it's um it's a big call to make and uh with a world cup only just around the corner it's not a huge amount of time for any new coach to to bed in any new ideas really is it no, it isn't. But I mean, what we got to lose? I mean, the RFU have written off the next World Cup. We've been saying that consistently on on our first casts for quite some time now. What is absolutely one hundred percent certain is that under Eddie Jones, you know, we were not going to compete at the next World Cup. And and I mean, I'll just throw some stats at you now because everybody's been out there saying that Eddie Jones leaves with the best. Um, win percentage record of any England coach ever, 73%, which is correct. But then just break down year by year um, his win rate. So 2016, won every game, 100% win rate. 2017, they only lost one game, 90%. 2018, had a bad year, 46% win rate. 2019, went back up to 75. 2020, 81%. But then in the last two seasons out of 24 games England have lost 11 of them with a 64% win rate in 2021 and a 39% win rate in 2022 Eddie's a busted flush he's the way he coaches England is a busted flush so I'd rather see somebody come in now and not necessarily you know, I think whoever comes in and takes England through to the next World Cup has got a bit of a free pass at the end of the day. When, in the same way as Brian Ashton in 2007, the same as Razi Erasmus in 2019, the expectation is low for this coach coming in. He's not going to get vilified if England don't even get out of their group stages, provided we can see that there is a development, that there's a game plan that we are now trying to build for 2027. And you never know, like Brian Ashton in 2007 when we got the final, like Razi Erasmus in 2019 when South Africa won it, with the pressure off and the expectation off, we might see England perform better with a bit of a new 
coach bounce, as it were. No, that's pretty fair enough. I mean, obviously, all the talk at the moment is uh, is of Steve Borthwick. Now, that could that could move in one of two ways over the next uh, well two hours, probably. Um, either Borthwick will go, nope, I'm happy at Leicester. I'm not ready for the England job yet, or he could he could take it and be on a six year contract by the end of the day. Um, but I mean. Where where do your thoughts lie, Jez? Would you rather sort of see someone come in on a short term deal to the back end of the World Cup and see how it goes, or for there to be a fairly lengthy process thinking about who our sort of succession plan is to twenty twenty seven? Maybe Cocker will take even takes us into the Six Nations, and then have that long term plan going forward. You know, there's there's lots of different ways of looking at it. Where what would your priorities be? Well, first thing for me to say is that as much as Eddie Jones going. I think we also need to look at Bill Sweeney and Conor O'Shea because they are as complicit in the omni shambles of England rugby at the moment as anybody else. So I would ask the, ask the question whether those two guys are the right people to be making the decision on what England do next. That's number one. Number two... Short of myself putting my own CV in because I think I've got the right ideas, but, you know, I'm never going to get a job, although I'll be an awful lot cheaper than anybody else. I think myself personally, I want to see Andy Farrell and Sean Edwards in charge of England. I don't think you're going to get either of those until after this World Cup coming. I think you're right about Steve Borthwick in so much as that you know, he's had one premiership win with Leicester Tigers. Yes, he has developed as a coach, but is it too early? Is it? A, I think that the thing is, it has to be an English coach. I don't want to see another foreign coach come in. I know Scott Robinson's been someone who's been mentioned. I want to see an England coach take it. And Andy Farrell and Sean Edwards, for me, are the, are the right people. Though you won't get them until after the next World Cup. He's, uh, he's over. So short term, yeah, look at short term. I don't rate Richard Cockrell as a coach, but, you know, as I say, as I said before, we're on a hide into nothing anyway. There's that lack of expectation there. Maybe <coughs> Cockers is the right person in the short term. There's also Sir Clive Woodward that's hanging around, and okay, he might be 20 years out of date, but Clive Woodward is clever enough to bring in the right coaches, I think. There are plenty of other people around the game who potentially could come in. Rob Baxter, maybe? I don't know. There's plenty of different options out there with experience. I just want us to pick a coach who's going to make England play good rugby. The talent is there. There is no doubt about it. But I want a coach who's going to pick players in the right position and to play in a way... Again, we'll go back to the Clive Woodward thing. You read his book, Winning. What he wanted to see is 80,000 people in Twickenham on their feet cheering because the brand of rugby we were playing was good. And, and that's all I want to see. And I want to see a progression. I want to see us actually going out there with the idea that attack is the best form of defence. Not worrying about what the opposition is doing, but worrying about what we're going to do to make the opposition worry. And Eddie Jones had that at the start seven years ago a little bit but we haven't got that now and that's what we need we need a coach that's going to come in and say look this is what England are good at this is what we're going to do maybe in the build-up to this next World Cup just going back to basics 
a little bit and then develop afterwards. But yeah, I just want to see, I, w- I want to be cheering England at the moment. Doesn't interest me watching England play international rugby. It really doesn't. I, 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 I want that to be returned to me. No, I think I'd, I'd definitely agree with you there. I, I, you know, I wouldn't put entertainment over the results, but I definitely, um, I feel like, uh, you know, even if England were winning every single game, if we were winning it fifteen twelve in a succession of penalties and playing Warren Ball, which is a, another conversation entirely, then yeah, I wouldn't be interested in watching international rugby. So yeah, I think. Um, Someone coming in with um, with some fresh ideas is is going to help. Which is, to be honest, some of why I think Steve Borthwick isn't the man for us going forward. And we'll see whether um, whether that gains any traction over over the next few days. But yeah, it's definitely a, a story that we're probably going to be picking up again a few times over the next few weeks, aren't we, Jez? Well, absolutely. I mean, it's interesting you you mention uh, Warren Gatland as well because I mean it does seem this week that the Welsh. And English uh, rugby football unions are um, are holding each other's beers and trying to outdo each other in uh, in on these shambles, isn't it? Really, I mean, I feel sorry for Wayne Pivach that he's been sacked from his job when it's not really his fault. He's just not got the the players or the infrastructure or the support to do what he needs to do. And I think Warren Gatlin going back to Wales without Sean Edwards, with this current state of Welsh rugby. Is gonna is gonna prove that Warren Gatlin one isn't as great a coach as everybody thinks he is, and two that the issues with Welsh rugby are a lot lot more embedded than just who is coaching the team. Uh, similarly, with England's, I think you know Eddie Jones, yeah, didn't coach England great, especially over the last two to three years. Yes, that needs to be changed, but there are a lot more things wrong with English rugby internationally than just what goes on on the coaching paddock and on the playing field. No, I think you're probably right. Pivac actually is interesting one to mention because I sort of said at the start, you know, people, um, good coaches will coach differently um, in the domestic game and in the international game. They're two very different things. And actually, I'm probably going to get shouted at by all sorts of people now. But Wayne Pivac, I think, has got unfinished business in rugby at this end of the world. And I actually think that he is someone that should be sticking around for one of the next domestic jobs, particularly if it's in England. I, I actually think he'd be a good English domestic-based coach. I mean, pie in the sky, if, uh, if Mark McCall and his entire coaching staff get the nod for England... Is he someone that we'd have a look at for Saracens? Probably not, but, you know, definitely not a terrible coach, as you say, but he's obviously um, fallen on his sword a little bit for Wales and the issues that they've got there. Eddie Jones, I think his race is run. I, I can't see him uh, having another job at, at this end, particularly domestic rugby. He will be a consultant for some up-and-coming nation. He might go back to Japan even, which actually might be a decent decent run for him, mightn't it? But. Who knows? There's uh, there's a lot to cover over uh, over the next few weeks. Plenty of ramifications. We don't know who within the England current England coaching team will stick around, whether they're Team Eddie or uh, or not. We'll just have to see, won't we? Indeed, yeah, and yeah, it's something that we will revisit on more than one occasion, I'm sure, as we go through, and especially into the Six Nations. But yeah. That's fair plenty enough. to look forward to there. Absolutely. Well, thank you for uh, for coming back in on what was supposed to be your week off, Jez. But we definitely couldn't have a show about Eddie Jones without you having your say. Really, could we? 
Well, absolutely not. And, uh, and you know, rest in peace, Eddie Jones, Jez Rance, I suppose, is the, uh, <laughs> is the only other thing to say. I mean, for those of you all who enjoy my rants about Eddie Jones, that's uh, something that we're going to miss from now on in. Yep, and we'll um, we'll see you for the first game of the Six Nations when we'll pick up a new topic for uh, for an international rant, I'm sure. Indeed. <laughs> well, cheers, Jez. That'll be the end of the show for definite now, unless there's some other... I mean, yeah, the entire Saracens coaching staff get let go or something. But that will be it for this show. <laughs> <laughs> cheers, everyone. See you next week. ta This is the Fezcast. Fezcast.